beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The sermon is called The Right to the Power to Put Off Our Former Way of Life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. You know, even paying attention to the name of the sermon given by our pastor, Arkady, you can think much about it, you can understand much, and we've heard it more than once, many of the revelations and the significance of the name name of the sermon. Here we see specifically two forms of life, a former way and a new way. The former way is the way of the old man, and he is legitimate but for the carnal man. And there's another, this is a new way of life. The new way of life is for the spiritual man. This is the form of the life of the new man, the sacred person. And it is interesting as the former way of life as well as the new way of life, they're both legitimate. But the former way of life that is supported by the old man, he is legitimate because of the law of sin and death and of course we need to resist him <clears throat> but we need to first agree that he has power and authority and someone else has already overcome this power and authority and has the keys of hell and death but I need to get take this victory and the new way of life that is supported by and it's legitimate, it's legal, and it is the spirit of life. 
And so we need to understand that the former way of life keeps us in its legal authority because of our legitimate dependence upon our, the house of our father, our nation, and our old self. And to resist such dependence is only in the teaching of the baptisms, which is a legitimate weapon and midst in which we die. This is a midst in which we die for our desires, our nation, and the house of our Father. We receive the legitimate right to the new way of life, new form of life, and the teaching of resurrection. Everything happens legitimately, legally. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. If our, na- if our nation can go out and shout and protest for the nation, for con- for our country. Uh, this needs to, the things that are happening in our nations, it doesn't happen in our spirit. In our spirit, so that the one power would be replaced with another power, which is the new way of life, overcoming the former way of life, we need the new way of life to become the legitimate authority within us, the legal authority, the primary authority. And so then the spirit, as it is born, this, our spirit, this legal authority begins to resist this uh, law of sin and death within us. And the law of sin and death that is in our mortal soul, our mortal body, does not agree to take, to give up its position. We become older, we get sick. That means it's legitimately in place, and to destroy that authority, it needs to happen in a legal way. You need to confess the Word of God that is written upon the tablets of our heart. And so to fulfill this decree and commandment, written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we then can obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Salvation is given to us in the format of a guarantee, a seed, so we can obtain it in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Fruit of righteousness, we receive justification. Our names are written into the book of life. It's to become fruit in our life. And needs to be reflected in the book of remembrance that is written before the face of God. And is written, the deeds, the righteous deeds are written about those who do these righteous works. We need to be confident first that our names are written into the Book of Life and ask people uh, who have sinned, try to uh, somehow absolve themselves by fasting uh, and doing all kinds of earthly things. And all the things that they do to try to uh, redeem themselves in in these ways by the actions that they do, the acts that they uh, perform. 
it was just a waste of time. A person needed to receive justif justification freely. And you say, Lord Jesus, thank you that I received justification freely. And that's when you then perform righteous acts. But some suffer, torture themselves so that they can somehow earn their salvation. But I need to acknowledge that I am saved. <clears throat> I am righteous because I, I received it freely. So I can then perform works of righteousness. So we need to pass from the seed and into the fruit, the fruit of righteousness. And she was given a clean and white linen that she was wearing to the bride of the Lamb. She was wearing it, the great Jerusalem. Uh, she was clothed into bright and white linen. It wasn't just uh, white, which is pure, uh, but also bright. And so it's written first our, our names into the book of life, and then our deeds are written into the book of remembrance. To the one who overcomes, I will allow him to eat of the tree of life. It's written, to the one who overcomes, I will allow him to eat my manna. To the one that overcomes, I will give him authority over the Gentiles. To the one who overcomes, I will allow him to sit at my right hand upon my throne. To the one that overcomes. This is a person who has linen not that is not just uh, white, but also bright. And that refers here to holiness, uh, salt. And when a person doesn't have this, then he, as in that parable, will be called a worthless, lazy servant. And it will be said about him, bind him hand and foot and throw him out into the darkness. To whom is it saying this? The one that uh, the master had trusted uh, with the talents of silver, if you remember, one, two, and five. And so they, he had entrusted them with this so that they can invest it and then receive profit. And to receive with profit is to receive the fruit of righteousness. And when he returned, uh, the master, the one that had five, the one that had two, and the one that had one, all came and the one that had the one, he did not invest it. He just said, here, here's your own. The justification that you gave me, I give it back to you. And he said, okay, I take it back. But what do you have left? I have nothing left. The thing is, what God has given to us when he wrote our names into the book of life, he will take it back. He said in his, in his parable, In language that we understand he has given us the guarantee of salvation and he said when I come I will take I will take it again if I gave you five talents then do the wise work of, of obtaining five more and and the one that had the one talent when the master took it back this lazy and and wicked servant he didn't uh, do anything and had nothing so he was bound hand and foot and thrown out because he did not use that seed, the guarantee that he was given so that he can produce the fruits of righteousness in a different parable where it talks about the master who had uh, prepared a great uh, wedding feast for his son and those who were invited said they would not come and he said okay go outside out of the city and go bring the good and the evil and the hall was full of guests and now who are these evil who are in the in the banquet hall 
The father comes and sees a person who did not have wedding clothes. This is the uh, the linen garment that was white, but but it, but it was not. Uh, it was not clean, and so again, everybody had was supposed to have the same garments, and everybody was supposed to be wearing this wedding clothes, but this one person wasn't. And he asked him, "Where's? Why aren't you wearing clo- uh, wedding clothes? A, a clean and bright linen?" And he said, "I don't have it." And he said the, the same thing about this person: uh, bind him hand and foot and throw him outside. And so the person who did not want to invest the guarantee of his salvation, he was thrown out into the darkness. As well as the person, it was this one that did not have this uh, wedding clothes and the one that did not invest his uh, one talent of silver. There was also those that said they would not go to the uh, uh, to the to the wedding garment, uh, to the banquet, to the wedding banquet. They refused to go. They didn't want to go. They said that they needed something else. They had something else to do. And so all those that were at the banquet, those who came to the wedding banquet, were good. And those who he did call and refused to come, they chose their destiny. And after all of this, he said, call those outside the city, both the evil and good, and these are those who were in their own personal garments. It was not the pure, uh, clean and bright linen that they were supposed to be wearing. And so to fulfill this, Three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens, what salvation given to us in the format of a seed. Why is it given in the format of a seed? So we can obtain it as a possession. What kind of possession? The fruit of righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names to battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1-3 I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord write these words in our spirit, confirm them in our spirit, our mind, and in our confessions. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed, and according to the measure of our faith, we have already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, in the form of studying three of his names, Strength, Rock, and Fortress. 
Therefore, we will immediately begin studying our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, Redeemer. <clears throat> and so, reading the works of our pastor, <clears throat> we see that the names begin with the name strength, the Lord God's strength. Strength is what we need to understand is that the Lord is unchanging in His Word. Why? Because He has magnified His Word above all of His name, and He has become a servant of His Word. If the Lord has become the servant of His own Word, will we then not be servants of His Word? And so we say, Lord, You are my strength. This is, Lord, I magnify Your Word that I have heard from Your mouth. This is the preached Word spoken by a person who is the authority of God upon the earth. This is an apostle. And we hear, see, we see here the name of God, strength. And then we go to, Lord, you are my rock. After we have magnified his word above all his name, now we can take this rock, these heavy weights, these laws, commandments, instructions, revelations, and weigh ourselves upon the scales of the word of God. Why? so that we first can cleanse our conscience from dead works, deliver, be delivered from all kinds of filth of the flesh and spirit, so that we can sanctify ourselves. And this is the Lord, you are my rock. And these weights, these scales, using them we cleanse our conscience from dead works, from all kinds of filth. Why? Because the third name of God, Lord, you are my fortress, we approach Him. And by approaching Him, we go into the Holy of Holies. When a person goes into the Holy of Holies, uh, he comes out of there with a specific revelation, specific fruit. And so when you hear the someone say, I had such a conversation or fellowship with God, and you ask, what did the Lord say? He said, I don't know, I was just feeling something. When Mary came out of the Holy of Holies, she didn't feel anything. She specifically heard something, and to this very specific thing, she responded, and she said, maybe according to your word, and she conceived at that moment. You can't go out of the Holy of Holies without anything empty-handed. You need to have some kind of word of God. You have, have received it. And so we receive this promise when we approach him, the one who drives away death. And now the fourth name, Lord, you are my deliverer in the fruit of this promise that we have received in the name of God. Fortress, we receive deliverance in, in all areas of our essence, all areas of our life. And so, Lord, you are my deliverer. The quality in lexicon, identifying the name of God, Redeemer, as the previous names of God, cannot be found in any existing dictionary of the world. The word Redeemer contains these definitions, chief of the covenant. The Lord will deliver with whom? He will deliver the one who is in a covenant with Him. And the covenant is in the baptisms. Which baptisms? Water, Holy Spirit, and fire. The covenant of salt, fire, and peace. 
and this allows us to be able to know his good, acceptable, and perfect will. And he says, I redeemed the one who is in a covenant with me. He is also the redeemer. He is our redeemer from the captivity of sin and death. And so, as we know, people die every day. And why? Because they don't understand that he's also a redeemer from the captivity of sin and death. He delivers us. And so to be able to avoid the cemetery, he has given his baptisms. A person, of course, he if he doesn't uh, reach this time uh, of the last times when actually the things will begin to happen as promised, he may uh, die a, li- a little bit beforehand, but he will be preserved and there will be angels that will be over his body and will wait for the moment when the father will tell the son and the son will confess and pr- or proclaim I allow you to resurrect the dead and rapture the living he is a protector from the wrath of God he we are delivered from his wrath when we approach God upon his conditions not hide behind the leaves of a fig tree but run to the Lord so you can be protected from the wrath of God. He is our, our he is also a restorer of our rights to our inheritance. He places us as his holy thing into safety and keeps our guarantee until the coming of Christ. In the given prayer Psalm of David and the list of definitions above, the name of God deliverer contains in the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom a person receives the ability to invest the guarantee of his salvation like you would a down payment so that you can receive profit in the form of the salvation of your soul and the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. And so the fruit of righteousness and when a person grows the fruit of righteousness this contains the salvation then of all of our essence. Those who have grown, if they even died, if they have grown the fruit of righteousness, they have salvation of their soul and redemption of their body. And of course, those saints that will live till the very last hour, they also will receive these things. This will be a reward from God. Considering such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every aspect and area of our essence, both the role of God and the role of man. And so we have come to the necessity to uh, answer a series of questions. What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Deliverer? What purpose is our inherited lot in the name of God, Deliverer, called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? What price do we need to pay to give God the ability to be our Deliverer? By what results do we need to determine that God is truly our Deliverer in the realization of our calling? In a specific format, we already studied the essence of the first two questions, and therefore we will pay attention to question three. What price do we need to pay to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer? Or what conditions do we need to fulfill to receive the right to the power to collaborate with the abilities of God contained in His name, deliverer? 
considering the fact that we had already studied five of the components of question three in the previous service we will continue by studying the sixth component but first let us remember shortly uh, let us remember shortly the five first five that we've already studied and then we will go on to study the sixth so the first to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer and in the given situations so that he redeem our soul from the depths of hell the depths of Sheol it is necessary to allow him God to teach us his way to walk in the truth and make our heart unite to fear his name Psalm 86 through 13 Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You have delivered my soul You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. What price do we need to pay so that God can deliver our soul from hell? The scriptures say He needs to teach us his way, his righteous way. The essence of hell for our soul is our mortal body, where inherited sin is our old man, the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim. And so only for the renewed soul, our mortal body is hell. And our brother Arkady had said that people who are carnal or people who think that they're spiritual but are not, they don't see this conflict in themselves. They are not able to and don't have the, the ability to uh, say, unfortunate man I am. And so the apostle wrote about himself, unfortunate am I who will deliver me from this mortal body. And so you could you you could have said maybe somebody else should have said these phrases instead of the apostle Paul, but the apostle Paul specifically said about himself. He wanted to uh, show about himself what was happening in him because the Lord needs to deliver us, deliver our soul from hell. And Apostle Paul understood that he is in the mortal body. His renewed soul is in the mortal body. And so you can determine in a person whether his soul is renewed or isn't. And it's not necessarily by the the knowledge of, uh, by his IQ, as how how well his brain can function or or how quickly or, or how well it can perform but <clears throat> when you when you you proclaim something you proclaim you state that you are unfortunate because in your mortal body your renewed uh, soul lives but it lives in a mortal body that is a hell for it and it suffers but the scriptures say we can be delivered and we can deliver our soul from hell by being instructed 
as it says, put me on your ways, instruct me in your ways. By being instructed upon the Lord's ways, can we walk in the truth of the Lord that is called to deliver our soul from hell that is in our body? And if a person refuses instruction, instruction, the instruction of his father, that is the person who has the authority that is from God, then he is not worried about the salvation of his soul. The way we, uh, the way we react to the instructions that we receive will determine whether our renewed soul will be delivered from hell. Of course, Jesus overcame from his side. He had said, I was dead, but now I am al- alive and forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and hell. If you have uh, the keys of hell and death, then why are we dying? Because he says, I was the one in hell and not you, and I resurrected. But you may want, you may say, well, Lord, I want to resurrect also. And he said, I gave you three baptisms, baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire, where you make a covenant of blood, salt, and rest with me, and you're born from water, spirit, and to the throne. We receive the legitimate right to the resurrection of Christ in his baptisms. And if we are, if we are joined with him in his death, we are joined with him in his resurrection as well, and will live in the newness of life. And so this is the legitimate ability to clothe our bodies into into a new way of life and reject the former way of life, and that's in the resurrection of Christ. And the resurrection of Christ is where the death of the Lord Jesus is, his baptism. And so you die for your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires. And so... You may hear someone say, well, I understood all of this. But how did you understand it? When we hear the truth from pastor, I can't say that I understood it. It simply came to my mind, but it still needs to go into my spirit. I utilize my ear that in seconds passes on information to my mind and my mind I use then using a few seconds to immediately pass on the word that I heard to my spirit when the Lord speaks the word it does not fall into my soul it falls into my spirit and so when I hear the word of God the anointed uh, from the anointed one uh, you can't just state well I understood all of this I don't you need to hear this and immediately give it to your spirit, pass it on to your spirit, and proclaim the word, Lord, I receive it according to your word, I accept it. The first word needs to fall into the disposal, it needs to be at the disposal of our spirit, and so, so then the word that our mind has received, that it heard with the ear, it needs to immediately give it to the spirit. And the soul, and if we did not pass on this truth, 
then to the spirit, then we can uh, claim that we just understood everything and we don't need it anymore. And, and so when and so when I read I read the uh, the works of uh, the labors of our pastor uh, uh, word for word as he as he has prepared them and people get uh, upset at that uh, it needs to fall into our heart you have to understand that and our heart our spirit will then according to the measure of faith will pass it on back to our mind and our mind not being hasty begins to meditate about this word and in prayer uh, begins to gather this word into words uh, gather this word into words that it can pray into prayer words and, and so our spirit receives again from our mind and then our spirit passes it back to our mind and then my tongue receives from the mind to proclaim the word you can't just take it like that you can receive it second to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer it is necessary to call upon God in our distress and our trouble Psalm 81 7 you called in trouble and I delivered you I answered you in the secret place of thunder I tested you at the waters of Meribah I delivered you when you called in trouble. How do you call the Lord in trouble? Psalm 50, 14, 15. Offer to God thanksgiving. Proclaim and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And so the psalmist wrote, you need to uh, pay your vows to the Most High. And this means to proclaim the faith of God uh, that abides in our heart. And so, and the second is to pay your vows to the Most High. By confessing the faith of your heart, you begin to do the things that you've proclaimed, to be a salt and light to the world and a candle in the house. And so to call upon God is to proclaim the faith of your heart. And after proclaiming the faith of your heart, And of course, there are a lot of other principles that are included to call upon the Lord is because uh, you need to proclaim and then do the work. And so we call upon the Lord. And how do we call upon the Lord? Right now, we call Lord speak, your servant listens, your servant hears. And so to call upon the Lord is not just to praise Him. Yes, that's included. And then uh, by proclaiming, you then do the work. Yes. But the other part is, Lord, speak. Your servant listens. You are right now calling upon the name of the Lord. You receive the word that you will then confess and then all fulfill. Third, to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliver from all of our iniquities it is necessary to place our hope upon God 
Psalm 137, 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all, from all his iniquities. When will he deliver? When we will hope upon the Lord, and our hope that the Lord will deliver us from all of our law, our iniquities, our lawlessness, are uh, we're delivered by hearing, listening to the word that he has spoken, spoken by his messengers. And so only their words can become our hope. We talk about hope. Hope is the uh, center weight. And so the beloved one, she comes from the wilderness. She she put all of her weight, all uh, she put all of her weight upon and leans upon upon the Lord. And so you say, I hope upon the uh, upon the the word of God. If that is if that is it, then you need to fully lean upon it with all of your weight. That is your hope upon the word. And this is hoping upon the word that is spoken by those whom God has placed, whom he has sent. And it shouldn't be the words of of either our flesh or people who call themselves messengers of God but are not. Fourth, to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer from our body of death, it is necessary to set our mind on the things above. Romans 7, 22 through 25, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. And so it's necessary for the thoughts of our mind and heart to be uh, as one team. That's how the Lord determines our righteousness and not because of the desires that we might have in our ourselves, our, our, our desire to sin, but the thoughts that we have that meditate and think about the things of heaven. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is here. We've noted here something very important, an important truth, that how does the Lord judge the righteous heart of a person? He judges not according to the desire. He doesn't look at the desires that are within our essence. They are existing in everybody. The Lord knew what was in man. And he didn't need somebody else to say that somebody was good or worthy enough. He knew what was in man. But what did Jesus look at? He judged, he evaluated their worth according to what was in their mind, the kind of thought, kind of of, kind of desire, it doesn't say what kind of desires a person has as who he is, no, according, it, it is what is in his heart, in his mind, is who he is, uh, and that's how the Lord judges his people. The Lord says, I will evaluate, evaluate you differently. You need to meditate about the things above, the things of heaven. Thank God for the truth that you hear. Why? Because we need to understand that the Lord will weigh the righteous and will judge the righteous according to what is 
he meditates about who meditates about the things of, that are above and the things of heaven Fifth, to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer, it is necessary to seek the Lord by focusing your eyes upon Him. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34, 4, 5. According to this and many other testimonies of Scripture, to see the unseen reward, this is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. It's necessary to have such a form of eyes, nature of eyes, that would be able to look at the invisible and unseen and such a form of eyes is is the the mind of man and so the eyes this is the mind of man that looks at the either the invisible unseen or looks at only what is visible and seen and is close to what is invisible and unseen 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind, minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so spirituality is when a person refuses to uh, depend upon his intellectual abilities, however these abilities may be. We don't have the right to do anything or depend upon our intellectual abilities. Sixth, to give God the legitimate ability to be our Redeemer from Goliath, who is present within our body, it is necessary by the means of confessing the faith of our heart to ratify the achieved deliverance within our body from the lion and the bear. If the Lord has not delivered me from the lion and bear, then he will not be able to li- deliver me from Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 32-37 Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Here we will see that the old man, this is a program that can transform itself. It it shows itself in both lion and bear as well as Goliath. The old man is a program. 
you can ask, how does the old man look? Look in the mirror when you're angry and sh and yelling at your at your spouse. When you're yelling at your children, that's how the old man looks. When you lie to your boss, that's how the old man looks. When you speak evil against God's inheritance, that's how the old man looks. The old man is a program and he can use three things, our mind, our will, and emotions. And we need to remove him from all three of them. The symbol of Goliath living within our body is a symbol of our will, belonging to the aspect of our, our uncircumcised soul. What will? That belongs to the aspect of our uncircumcised soul, which is under the influence of our old man living within our body. Goliath is our will, that is of the uncircumcised soul that has not died in the death of the Lord Jesus. S the symbol of the lion and bear living within our body is a symbol of thoughts of our mind, also belonging to the aspect of our uncircumcised soul, which is under the influence of our old man living within our body. The carnal man, or a person who has started upon the path of truth, the lion and bear and Goliath reveal themselves <clears throat> and this is through uh, by the uh, they reveal themselves in the will and the mind <coughs> however when it comes to David the lion and bear representing uncircum uncircumcised thoughts was absent for the reason that the form of thoughts that he David tended in his mind were the thoughts of the sheep of his father which indicates the fact that his mind was circumcised or was renewed by the spirit of his mind. This is evident in his words, your servant has killed both lion and bear, which symbolically indicates the fact that every uncircumcised thought coming from the entrails of his old man living within his body in the form of the lion and bear infringing upon the thoughts of his father were immediately killed with the thoughts of his renewed mind. Our mind is renewed by the spirit of our mind during the process of breaking up fallow ground so that you do not sow among thorns and after in the process of the circumcision of the foreskin of our heart. In what way does renewal happen? And by breaking up fallow ground and circumcising the foreskin of our heart. How do we receive power over Goliath? This is power. Everyone ran away from Goliath. By the uncircumcised soul, the old man, the power of the old man is revealed. And when you see this power, you run away from it in panic. And so, as we see in the story of David, in his situation, you run away from Goliath because you first need to overcome lion and bear. You need to break up fallow ground and circumcise the foreskin of our heart. Jeremiah 4, 3 through 4 and then 14. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. This is the first. How do we destroy this lion and bear? How do you, how do you stop this uh, uh, 
evil way of, or form of thinking. Circumcise yourself to the Lord is the second, and take away the foreskin of your hearts. The men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil, your evil thoughts lodge within you? How long will these lions and bears lodge within you? <clears throat> Let us look at what they symbolize. I need to be delivered from this power, from this Goliath. The program that the old man who reveals himself in our will, we need to turn off the program of the old man that reveals first itself in our li- in the lion and bear. And so breaking up the fallow ground is a symbol, and let's look at the symbol of fallow ground that is overgrown with thorns first. This is a symbol of the conscience that is cleansed from dead works, in which wicked thoughts lodge about materialistic prosperity, which a person perceives as spiritual stature and believes to be good work. Matthew 13:22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, the word and he becomes unfruitful. <clears throat> and so all of this um, uh, desire, these thoughts of prosperity, you need to pull out these weeds with the root. Breaking up the fallow ground is a symbol of destroying the nests containing evil thoughts. This is cleansing our conscience from dead works, presented as if good work coming from uncircumcised thoughts, which are supported by the old man. Hebrews 10, 19-23 Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10:19 through 23 This is how we go into a prayer room. To go into a prayer room is good. <clears throat> you need to break up the fallow ground to cleanse it from all of these thorns, from all of this... Uh, all these thoughts uh, to dig them up. And so you need to break up this ground of all of our mind because when you come to God with a conscience that is not cleansed uh, from dead works, you can't plant any seeds there because the ground is not ready. And a person is suffering, he agrees. Uh, A person agrees and begins to fight. When the breaking of the fa- uh, up of the fallow ground uh, was beginning, and it, it's a painful process because many things need to be uprooted. And the second condition is to circumcise the foreskin of the heart, so we be delivered from the lion and bear. Circumcising the foreskin of the heart is a symbol of our tongue, placed in dependence of the conscience that is cleansed from dead works in which the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ has been imprinted. 
First he breaks up the fallow ground so that there not be any thorns there. And when he had broken the fallow ground, he has brought in his revelation. Then he says, circumcise the foreskin of the heart. Begin to proclaim the word of God with your tongue. (coughs) Which is demonstrated in the confessions of the faith of God abiding within our heart in the form of the true virtue revealing itself in the truth of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 3 through 11, or do you not know that as many of, of you as were baptized into Christ have put on, have been uh, baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so he also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, returning to our original text to provide God with the legitimate ability to deliver us from Goliath, it is necessary by the means of confession to ratify our deliverance from the lion and bear within our body. To deliver our will, this is power that we have from the program of the old man, we need to deliver our mind from this program in the form of the lion and bear. Until we overcome the lion and bear, the program of the old man in our mind, we will not be able to overcome Goliath, who is our will, the will of the old man that is revealed through us. Here are some conditions of how to deliver ourselves from the lion and bear. First, to be delivered from the lion and bear, it is necessary by being instructed in faith to die for the sinful conduct conduct passed on to us from our fathers by the means of circumcising our heart and our ears. Acts 7.51 You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. An uncircumcised heart and uncircumcised ear is such a union which does not allow a person to receive the order of God, to submit himself to the word of the person possessing the authority of a father of God. And so, again, necessary to have the circumcised heart and circumcised ear. Second, to be delivered from the lion and bear, it is necessary to leave infancy and quit being attracted by various winds of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of deception, upon the expanses of the Internet and various other informational spaces or areas. It's not necessary to, if we, say, get sick with something, to be referring to people who are not doctors who do not know what they're saying uh, to give you advice. So if someone's giving you advice, it needs to be sound and it needs to be legitimate information that's given.
because people who advise uh, their their circumstances where even Jesus had to had to say, uh, "Get away from me, Satan," when uh, when they would give advice that that was not inspired. Uh, uh, by God. Third, to be delivered from the lion and bear, it is necessary to be a student of your teacher in the form of a person clothed into the authority of a father of God, and this means feed the flock of his father, being guided by the revelations that God gives him. If a person does not tend or feed the thoughts of his father, he is under the control of hell. Proverbs 15.32 He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. However, for David to be delivered from Goliath, those were the components of being delivered from lion and bear, but to be David to be delivered from Goliath, symbolizing his will, who is controlled by the old man, for him to kill lion and bear was not enough. He needed another unearthly element, the Holy Spirit in the form of oil anointing him as king over all of Israel. We talk about how we need to overcome lion and bear. We need to confess in our life that we have overcome the lion and bear and with our actions demonstrate this, that we have broken up the fallow ground. We have circumcised ourselves for the Lord. We begin to confess the word of God that comes uh, and planting upon these new grounds. But when Goliath will come out after we have overcome them, this we need to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. To be anointed as king over Israel is to be anointed, to be an anointed king over your body or over the emotional aspect of your soul, to make your body a house of prayer. With this, we need to keep in mind that a warrior in prayer in the form of David is always the anointed of the Lord. At the same time, the anointed of the Lord in the form of Saul is not always a warrior in prayer. A warrior in prayer who is anointed to rule over his body in the form of David always trusts and hopes upon God. At the same time, the anointed of the Lord, anointed to rule over his body in the form of Saul, not being a warrior in prayer, trusts and hopes upon the multitude of his army in his sword and in his horse. He hopes upon his horse. And so the difference, you ask the question, what's the difference between the anointed David and anointed Saul? One is a warrior in prayer, one isn't. How do you determine if you're a warrior in prayer or not? As David was, and he led the wars of the Lord. And so you look at what you rely upon, what you hope upon or trust upon. Psalm 33, 16 through 22. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. 
<clears throat> and so these are words coming from the anointed of God and who is a warrior in prayer. A warrior in prayer is a person who trusts upon God and not upon the, not upon the multitude of his army or giants or his horse or his sword. This was the, the very interesting sixth component, how we overcome Goliath. First, we overcome the lion and bear, the uncircumcised thoughts in our mind, how we do this. We break up the fallow ground. We free ourselves from thorns, personal opinions, and, and ideas. And as people become arrogant with all of their thorns, one with the other one, but we get free ourselves from all of this. And then we begin to circumcise ourselves for the Lord. We confess the word of God uh, and the faith of our heart. In this way, we are delivered from the lion and bear, and we are delivered from Goliath. When the Lord anoints us to his kingdom, and our hope and trust becomes the word that is in our heart. Seventh, to give God the legitimate ability to be our deliverer from many afflictions, it is necessary to possess the virtue of a servant of the Lord, which makes itself known in a broken heart and contrite spirit. Psalm 34, 18 through 22. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Psalm 34, 18 through 22, the symbol of the servant of the Lord is a symbol of a, of a person or people that have given the members of their body as slaves of righteousness for holy work. The many afflictions which the servants of the Lord experience come from sinners who are among the saints, who in their heart hate the saints for their righteous form of life. And when conversing with them, their words are softer than oil, yet they smear and tarnish the moral character of others ascribing their own personal faults to them. Considering the state of their broken heart and humble spirit, the servants of the Lord are not able to defend themselves from the sinners that are with within their midst, presenting their actions of zeal as the truth. But due to, due to their trust upon the protection of God and redemption of God, they turn to God for help and proclaim the verdict of God that is written in scripture about the wicked and evil, which allows God to deliver their souls, the souls of his servants, from the sinners who rise up against them. And here's how David did this, Psalm 55, 12 through 22. <clears throat> For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. <clears throat> Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell. For wickedness is in their dwelling and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. 
God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from, from of old, because they do change. They do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The word of, of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. <clears throat> It is quite important to understand the principle upon the basis of which God receives the legitimate ability to deliver our soul in the world from the sinners who rise up against it, who are within our midst, who ascribe to us their faults and present themselves as individuals who are zealous for the truth. The essence of this principle consists in the fact that God cannot do anything for us, although He has promised, if we do not ask Him for it with faith. To ask for the deliverance of God with faith from the enemies that hate us is to clothe our prayer into justice that is present in God's written word that is carried out in His verdict. We together have more than once noted that in Scripture the prayer of faith is a prayer that is persistent, one that does not back away from the thing that is being asked for until it is received. Here is a good illustration, Luke 18, 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Luke 18, 1 through, 8. 1 through 8. Adversary. What is an adversary here? This is a person who infringes on what is ours, which is the fruit of righteousness in the received promise that belongs to the door of our hope. <clears throat> and so the adversary is here, the old man, who t- tells us that nothing will work, nothing will happen, this Goliath, He uses the uncircumcised soul of man, the program of the old man. This is this adversary, as well as people, of course, in churches who who defame the saints and speak uh, evil against them. You ask the question: Do I? You 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 ask yourself: Do you cast lots? Do you cast shadows? Do you do you speak evil against the people of God? because you would want not want to see yourself in this position of the adversary. We will bring forth a place of scripture regarding enemies who rise up against us, which in part has been unfaithfully understood as it was pre- presented separate from the general spirit of scripture. And so regarding this reg- is regarding, of course, uh, the adversaries. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. 
for in, in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The unfaithfully understood phrase, but rather give place to wrath, the wrath of God, means that we in this situation, people are Christians, are often mixing the righteousness with unrighteousness. Where, What is our righteousness and what is the mistake here? We know that our righteousness is that we don't need to avenge ourselves <clears throat> with our abilities or use their own tool, which is unrighteousness. Yes, we need to not avenge ourselves in this case with either their uh, tools or weapons that they use against us or our own. Our, the incorrect understanding often is that we need to, without question, uh, uh, take on all this uh, deception. Yes, we need to not avenge ourselves. This is correct. Uh, those that uh, hurt us, that offend us, to go. But the wrong is that we need to, without any, uh, we need to treat this as something very normal. This is not normal. <clears throat> Behaving this way, <clears throat> we don't give place to God's wrath. Um, uh, we don't allow for the just judgment of the sinner. And so how do we give place to God's wrath? Here are three components of how to give place to God's wrath. There are actually four. First, to give place to God's wrath so that God can punish the sinners who rise up against us, it is necessary to have a broken heart and contrite spirit, as it is written, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It's important to be such a person because the Lord will absolutely save one who has a broken heart and contrite spirit. And this is the first step so that the Lord can avenge us. And so first you need to be humble and have a broken heart. The second, to give place to God's wrath so that God can punish the sinners who rise up against us. It is necessary to confess with our own mouth the wrath contained in the written word of God, just vengeance and just justice of God. Psalm 149, 5-9. <clears throat> and so if there's a lawless one, a lawless one who has insulted you, and who's done evil against you, you proclaim the word of God. If we don't remember, we can open up Psalm 149, starting from verse 5. We keep our mouth closed. We don't say anything bad when he has offended us, when he ascribed his faults to us and his, your virtues, he's a uh, claim for himself. And we, being humble, we don't have the right to avenge ourselves. We take the word of God and we proclaim it. We read, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. 
to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. And you close the Bible and, and thank God and allow God to do his work. I myself did not state anything. I only opened up the psalm. I proclaim and the Lord can start working. There's a third condition to give God to give place to God's wrath so that God can punish the sinner who rises up against us. It is necessary to feed the enemy that is in our heart if if he's hungry and if he's thirsty, give him drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head and will not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Conscious help with the goal of heaping coals of fire upon the heads of our enemies opens the door for the entry of Satan into the essence of our enemies, the result of which will be an absolute rejection from the life of God, and they, being alive, will already sense themselves in hell. Very unique. Let's see how Judas Iscariot felt this. Jesus, by doing good, began to gather uh, these coals upon his head. John 13, 20 through 27. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sends me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. He became troubled in spirit. He became troubled in spirit. This is the Son. The Lord says, Lord, Son, allow me to <coughs> allow vengeance for me. Allow me to. And he says, One of you will betray me. And his, his, the way that he is, had spoken, you would think that being troubled in spirit, knowing what would he would happen, you would say something uh, a lot, a, a lot different than what he said. But what he said allowed the Lord to work. Then the, the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And you would think that he would begin to to, uh, speak things in a against Judas because he knew he would do but all he said was I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it and having dipped the bread he gave it to Judas Iscariot the son of Simon now after the piece of bread Satan entered him then Jesus said to him what you do do quickly he gave Jesus allowed gave place to God's wrath in this case fourth to give place to God's wrath so that God can punish the sinners who rise up against us who live within our midst, it is necessary to live in the secret place of the Most High and find rest under the shadow of the Almighty so that you can say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust, surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. This means to be obedient and follow the word of the person who is clothed into the authority of a Father of God. If you want to know all of this precious truth, and I ask you to uh, listen to the sermon of December 
uh, December 27, 2019. This was pastor's sermon at that time. And we need to hear the voice of our pastor. Let us now pray and let us be blessed in our prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege of being in this place that the memory of your holy name is. This is the place where your word is, your teaching, because you keep in your memory only those things, those words that come out of your mouth. <clears throat> and we thank you that this is the place where it, your memory is and this is where your ladder is from which you speak your word we thank you for the truth that we had the ability to hear and remember today thank you that it has found its place in our heart and it has found place in our renewed mind our soul and we thank you that the word that we've received, your preached word, given by your messenger, Pastor Arkady, it also is being spoken and proclaimed by our meek and gentle mouth. You have given a lot of time for the breaking up of the of the ground, and free us of the thorns and a lot of work using your word to circumcise us as your sons, sons of Judah, sons of Jerusalem, so we with a humble mouth, a meek mouth, would be able to pro proclaim the faith of our heart. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to ratify today the legitimate ability and right for the to the inheritance we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation of our spirit, the salvation of our mortal soul and our earthly body. You have commanded in our essence the Gentiles together with your nation to praise your name. You want us to put our hope upon your word, the promise that you have given at the door of, the, of, of hope and give to our body. And today the Gentiles, together with your nation, together with our spirit, can praise and thank you for the promise given and proclaim the not existent as existent. And thank you for the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ in our body. And we thank you for our body, our immortal bodies, the resurrection of life we have that is in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you allow us and our renewed soul to not be in hell, that this body would no longer be hell for our renewed soul. And for this, we today place our trust, our hope that is based upon, our trust that is based upon this hope of the deliverance of our body, deliverance from hell, deliverance from death, we thank you, Lord, that our body is your temple. Today, our body is not the land of Canaan, but the land of Israel, because we have become warriors in prayer, and we receive this destiny. 
we accept it and we thank you that you have delivered us from death because we have received your instructions. We have submitted ourselves to you, to your word, and we praise you today and we pay our vows to you. We thank you for the resurrection that fills our body today and we thank you for the bodies of the saints that are not here today, that are not in our presence but are in need of your touch. And you touch them not just using the second form of your word, but also using the first form of your word, the preached word. And this needs to be the uh, one source information and nourishment for our bodies. So we close our ears to other information that is deadly information that this world is submerged in allows to be only living with your information living according to your word that has been cleansed in the furnace and has melted and cleansed we thank you for your word and we receive your word for the healing of our bodies you have placed upon your path of righteousness and has you have delivered us from our graves thank you that you have placed us and have put the trust and hope upon us inside of us and have given us one out of a thousand your father a father that you've given our pastor and our apostle and we pray for his full recovery We are not rebuking demons because this is your person and you are behind what happens and you're doing something great. And so in prayer for our pastor, we pray, Lord, about one thing, that your mercy would come speedily so that he can continue to give us your spiritual information and that he may be comforted with us so we all mutually be comforted. We wait for that hour and we pray, Lord, that we be given this mercy before your holy face. We also pray for the saints, for the misfortunes and illnesses that Satan is behind unconfessed sins, ignorance, occult things. And so we pray, Lord, that in their life all the works of the devil be destroyed and cursed in the name of Jesus Christ and that they close their ears to all negative information and have a circumcised ear and circumcised heart ready to and prepared to receive instruction that you give to your church and through your church. May mercy be shown to them in your healing, healing from illnesses. We 
Thank you for the might of your word and for the Holy Spirit who reveals this great wealth of your word to us. We thank you for this service and we pray for the future services that you continue to do the work that you do to allow the blind to, to see so that the ones that can't walk to be able to dance before you, those that suffer to be delivered and be freed. We thank you for the might that you've put and that you do using your word and your Holy Spirit. We pray and we praise you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.